Hello? 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 Hey. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Sorry, that scared me for a second. Also, sorry, I had like a mild panic attack over one of my assignments that's due soon. Oh no. It just it was a whole mess. Oh. Chemistry is a whole mess. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> Life is bad. I was it's a reaction mechanism that we're doing for um it's like a synthesis of um like um benzoin, I think that's how you say it. I don't I don't even know, catalyzed by thiamine hydrochloride from benzaldehyde. It's it's a whole mess. A whole mess. <laughs> My friend texted me and was like, help. And I was like, here's the reaction mechanism I have. I don't know if it's right. Problems. Rip. <laughs> Big rip. Anyway, enough about chemistry. You're here for some true crime. Oh yeah. <laughs> um let's see how good my notes are because again I did this a whole a whole while ago. Alright. <laughs> School is hard, man. It I is. Don't know. It is. Yeah. Okay. Um well I'm Sonia. I'm Maddie. And welcome to Grim. Okay, so this week I thought true crime would be fun, um, so I'm thinking I'm thinking we could talk about Joshua Maddox for a second. All right. His story is pretty interesting. It's very sad, but it's interesting, and it's kind of like um, like what happened, you know? Yeah, I don't think I've heard of it. Yeah, it's it's. It, I remember being like confused. All right, all right. Like, you know, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it goes well. Okay. <laughs> so, um. Joshua Maddox was born on March 9th, 1990, and he actually went missing in 2008. Um, Seven years later, after the day he went missing, his body was found in the chimney of a cabin that was literally just two blocks from his house. Oh my god. And the question is, how did he get there? Yeah. Yeah. So in May of 2008, Joshua was... 18 years old um he lived in woodland park which was like this really small city in colorado um he was six feet tall 150 pounds he had long hair just like a physical description and he was described as having a creative mind a carefree attitude to life and he just like was a good person in general like he seemed like a really nice person to be around he um, played the guitar, and he spent a lot of his free time writing and stuff like that. At school, he was known as a really bright student, and he was really well-liked, well-known, like, that kind of deal. Um, his mother and father were divorced, so Josh lived with his father, Mike, and his two sisters, Kate and Ruth. And um, so one day in May, he decided to go for a walk. I guess he, like... I guess he, like, just really loved nature and stuff like that. He was one of, like, the, quote-unquote, like, free spirits Mm -hmm. kind of thing. 
so on that day, he said goodbye to his sister, Kate, and he ended up leaving. And I think this was, like, just usual for him. Like, he did the whole hiking alone thing. It, I feel like it's just a lot safer if you're a man. Like, it's just a thing you can do. So his sister, you know, she didn't think too much of it. Like, it was normal. He would just go out for hikes and stuff, and he would, like, come back later. But he never came back home. So, like I said before, he was described as a free spirit. People were worried about him, of course, but for the first few days, it was just, like, a slight worry. Like, they were like, oh, he's done this before. It's, he's probably fine. Okay. But as time continued, like, he didn't come home after, like, a longer and longer period of time. And his father was like, this is a southern, sudden disappearance. This is, like, actually really serious. Yeah. So on May 13th, he called the police and reported Josh missing. Um, How many days he did a, after his disappearance was that? Um, I'm not sure how many days. I just know that it was at least more than two. Okay. It doesn't say when exactly he left. It just says, like, when... Like, the report was just, like, it was filed on March, May 13th. Okay. Um, so his father, Mike, said, quote, I got up one morning and Josh was there. Then he just never came home. The next day, he still didn't come home. I called his friends. Nobody had seen him. Nobody knows where he is, end quote. Um, so after, after this call on May 13th, the search for him lasted for literally seven years. They, just, they looked for him for seven years, oh and they couldn't find him. They searched everywhere. Like They went through the neighborhood he lived in. They went through the whole Parkland area, but they just couldn't find anything for years. And I mean, I guess like understandably they started to lose hope Mm -hmm. like like seven years is a really long time to not know where someone is yeah um his sister kate talked about how she really just hoped that joshua would like run away or something like he just decided to run off and pursue music or like start a new life or something like that Mm -hmm. um which i do understand like that is a reasonable want to have for someone you don't want to believe the worst yeah obviously yeah so she wrote about like this little viewpoint a little bit she wrote um quote since josh was josh was 18 it has been reasonable to assume he may have decided to leave town and start a new life as one of his two older sisters i have always chosen to believe that this was the case i expected josh to return home to my father's house at any time with a wife and and small children so that they can meet their grandparents and two aunts josh has always been known for his musical and literary talent so maybe we would find him playing music with a band on tour or catch him writing successful novels under a pen name so that he could keep his preferred lifestyle of solitude in the woods end quote which is so sweet like that's like such a nice thing to imagine for someone but i also feel like that's really the danger of having like a lifestyle where it's normal for you to go off for a couple days yeah like, you know how they always talk about, like, the first 24 hours are the most important? I think yeah. they definitely missed that mark here because they called it in so late because they just, it felt normal. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And um, at this point, honestly, based on his lifestyle and based on, you know, the friends he had, the community he was in, no one really had a reason to think that he was in trouble or something like that. Like, his parents also mentioned that they didn't have any reason to worry about his mental health or anything, so it's not... Like, so they didn't believe that he could have, like, killed himself. Okay. So they, like, fully thought, they were like, like, there's no way that he could just 
have like died like he probably just ran away like that was like the actual thought that they had um his dad also like his dad talked about how um his older brother Zachary had committed suicide and 2006 like before um josh's high school graduation i think but when he started talking about this his father stated quote i buried his older brother two years before and it was so difficult on josh when his brother died it pushed him over the edge it was a big shock for the family and a big shock for josh he thought highly of his older brother end quote so like tragedy has befallen this family before Mm -hmm. and like that must have been so hard for him but despite this the family did say that like Josh was doing well. Like, he dealt with the grief. He was really happy in the days before he disappeared. Like, they really didn't think that it was anything to do with his mental health. Like, they really, like, they didn't suspect anything on that front. All right. Um, And the police didn't think this either. Like, they didn't suspect that he was involved in any sort of criminal activity or anything. Like, you know, like, people can go missing if they were involved in the wrong kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But the police, like, based on his life and stuff like that, they were like, he, this is, definitely unlikely so it's like they officially listed him as like a missing person um and they all like they actually continued searching for him like they didn't close the case or anything right up until the point he was found um it was like an open case um the family ended up moving later but his father actually kept their old house just in case joshua ended up coming home which i think is that's like that's very sweet yeah that's very thoughtful because like imagine like you actually did run away or you were kidnapped or something like that and like you come home and it's like a different family living there yeah that would be jarring scary yeah yeah um so then it's been years in 2015 a man called chuck murphy was up at his cabin and i guess he was like tearing it down for property development or whatever like you know Mm -hmm. things happen people have houses they need to change them up so his cabin was literally in the middle of nowhere it was this large patch of land that was like there was a clearing and it was just surrounded by really tall pine trees um and chuck actually said that the cabin like literally hadn't been occupied in years the inside was super gross like it was completely rotting which is why they needed to renovate and like tear it down and stuff like that and i guess it makes sense because it's like a wood cabin yeah in the woods and it wasn't used <laughs> yeah <laughs> so it makes sense that it was rotting if it hadn't been used in years um he had bought the cabin in the 1950s and apparently it was like an infamous drinking or like gambling place called the thunderhead ranch before he like when he bought it um it was owned by a guy called bert bergstroms who had come to the u.s from sweden in 1912 and ran the inn as a drinking and gambling establishment after prohibition had ended and then also used it as an illegal gambling den and it was also rumored to be like a brothel nice it just has everything going on (laughs) all of the things yeah um this man was arrested by the fbi but the jury was like nah he's not guilty Right. What do you want to bet that the jury was actually using, like, the people of the jury were using said illegal gambling <laughs> den and were like, we want to, like, to keep it up and running? They're like, nah, nah, he's chill, he's chill. <laughs> yeah, he's good, he's good, it's fine. <laughs> um, anyway, Chuck bought this cabin, and his brother lived in the cabin until 2005, but, like, he ended up moving, and it became this, just, like, a storage facility. Um, and, like, Chuck didn't live there, so he, like, just didn't go out to it. It was just, like, a property that he had. Um, he also mentioned that animals were a problem and that he thought that there just, there might've been dead animals in the cabin because when he went and visited, there was like an unnerving smell. 
Um, he said, quote, the place was damp. It smelled like hell. There was raccoon poop all over the place, end quote. So, you know, it's just a cabin in the woods. He didn't think anything of it. He was like, my brother used to live here. It's gross now. We need to tear it down. Okay. Wait, and so this is 2015? Is that? Uh, 2005. Oh, this is two. Wait. Yeah, 2015, sorry. Okay, okay. I was like, no, wait, didn't he go gone. missing in 28? 28, wow, yeah. Yeah. In the year um, 28, he went missing. In the year 28. Yes. I am literate. <laughs> uh, same. Um, Chuck, the cabin was inhabited up until 2005, and then Chuck's brother moved out, and then it was just left until 2015 when they were going to do the renovations. Okay. So it was left empty for 10 years. Okay. Um... Where was I? Oh, lost my notes. <laughs> good, good. Um, okay, anyway. He was tearing the house apart and eventually, like, so they, you know, they started with whatever you start with, the rotting wood or whatever, you clear that out. Mm. Eventually, I actually know nothing about how to tear a house down, so if that is wrong, <laughs> let me know. It's all good. It's all good. I don't know anything either. <laughs> me pretending to be an expert on home renovation. <laughs> they just start somewhere, they're tearing on the rotting wood, whatever. Um, but eventually they ended up getting to the chimney when they discovered something weird. They found the body of a young man cramped into a fetal position. His legs were above his head. Um, Chuck did the correct thing and he immediately called the police. The police got there with the um, county coroner who, with the help of a forensic odontologist, used dental records and stuff like that to positively identify the corpse um, to be that of Joshua Maddox. And this cabin was literally less than a mile from his house. Wow. Yeah. Um, His family was shocked when they heard this. Like, obviously, Mm -hmm. I would be too. His sister um, talked about it a little bit. She said, quote, the situation doesn't make any sense at all. We were really expecting him to be anywhere else in the world, and he was actually very close. The only thing we can figure is he was being an 18-year-old kid checking out a cabin, and it had already been abandoned for a long time, and then a horrible accident just happened, end quote. Which, you know, like, that's the best-case scenario here. Yeah. But still, like, a lot of this was weird. Um... So the county coroner, Al Bourne, did an autopsy. He found no evidence of drugs in Josh's system. Um, and then he spoke to the press and he said, quote, the hard tissue showed no, tra- no signs of trauma. There were no broken bones, no knife marks. There were no bullet holes. There are so far no answers to a number of things. It is very confusing, unquote. Um... So the cabin was on um, a road called Meadowlark Lane, two blocks from their house. And if you remember what I said before, they conducted this extensive search of the surrounding area. Mm-hmm. But I guess the searches just completely overlooked the building. Like, it's a rotting cabin in the woods. Who's going to look there? Like, a lot of people were like, there's just no sign of life from the building. Um, it was just concealed from suspicion, like, because of its location, because it just, it looks so inconspicuous. Mm-hmm. Chuck also stated that on occasions he had gone to check the property and he had not noticed anything unusual about the property. Um, and, oh, the cabin was also like 50 feet from the road. Like, I know it was surrounded by pine trees, but it was just, it was like pretty near the road. Okay. So, like, 
Like, that's just a super weird location for someone to be in. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but the police did suggest that since there were no adjacent houses, even if Josh had cried out for help, no one would have been able to hear him. Um, what they did release in a statement was, quote, it was not an instant death. How he died is only a matter of speculation, but we know he did not he did not starve to death because that takes many weeks. So then you go down the chain and you have dehydration, which can just take which can take just a few days. And the other thing would be hypothermia, which could take a day or two. We have no evidence to say which came first, end quote. Okay, so it's they're thinking it's something natural? Like- At this point, yes, because like what else could it be? Yeah. Like, and they, they, like, I mean, there's no, like, physical wounds on the body. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, there's no, there's nothing to indicate that he was killed. It was just, if he somehow got himself stuck in a chimney, he would have died due to either dehydration or hypothermia, depending on when he got down. I mean, it's May. May isn't super cold. Mm-hmm. But still, if you're stuck mm-hmm. in one position for long enough, like, you can still get hypothermia, I believe, if I remember that from science class. Okay. Um, like, it just depends on the location or whatever. Um, eventually, on September 28th, 2015, after they failed to find any rational cause, Alborn, the coroner, made a ruling of accidental death. He suggested that Josh should just climb down the chimney and become lodged in the brickwork, and then he concluded that the most likely cause of death was hypothermia, because I guess sometimes in this area, I mean, Colorado in May, I think the temperature could drop to negative six Celsius at night at its coldest. Oh, yeah, that is. Which would make sense if you're stuck in a chimney, like, yeah. hypothermia is, like, possible. Um, but Chuck Murphy, actually, the owner of the cabin... He was not satisfied with this conclusion. He just, he questioned it. He was like, guys, it, it, I don't believe it's accidental death. Yeah, that would be. Yeah. I just don't know why he would find himself in a chimney. In that position, too. If you're going to go down a chimney, like, you go down feet first. Yeah. I can't imagine curling up in a fetal position and slipping down the chimney. Wait, so he, um, he was near the top of the chimney. No, he was, like, stuck, like, wedged in it. Like, okay, he wasn't, so like, he was all the way at the, the top. Middle. He was, like, yeah, okay. middle bottom, I believe. Like, it wasn't that he was at the top. Um, so, Al said that Josh's position in the chimney appeared to have been a voluntary act in order to gain access to the cabin. But when he heard that, Chuck was like, this is impossible. The chimney had been built 20 years before, and during its construction, it had been fitted with, like, steel rebar, which are, like, large like thick thick like wire mesh that's hung from steel hooks and it's used to keep like animals and debris from becoming lodged inside the chimney or from entering the cabin and murphy made a statement he said quote it was a very heavy wire grate and a wire mesh i installed it across the chimney about one row of bricks from the top we didn't want trouble with raccoons and things getting into the chimney end quote so this was like so he had to come in from the bottom so he, he's like, if it's from the top, like he installed it one row of bricks from the top. So like, how is he supposed to get through that? Yeah. Like if you're one row of bricks from the top, like you can't be lodged in a position one row of bricks from the top of a chimney. Yeah. Like that's impossible. What, like a brick is like what, like two inches? Like that's 
there's no space to be lodged above that. You have to be lodged below it. Like, how do you get below it to be lodged in the chimney? Yeah. Um, so there was, like, this, like, back and forth kind of thing between um, Chuck and then Al. So Al replied that the grate could have been rusted or corroded and said, quote, nobody saw the metal mesh. We didn't see it in any of our photos. It may have disappeared, end quote. And then Chuck was, like, during all this demolition, because, you know, they found, like, they got to the chimney after they did most of the house. Mm -hmm. So he was, like, during the demolition, all the metalwork had been collected and stashed in the back of a truck to be taken away for scrap, which would explain why the mesh was not clearly identified by the coroner, because it literally wasn't anywhere near the chimney. They'd just taken all of the metal. um, And, like, it probably wasn't even on site at the time of the visit by the coroner, because, like, he said that was the first thing that they did is they took all the metal. Okay. And I guess that got Al's attention. So then he reopened this case three days after the initial conclusion. And it wasn't only the rebar, I guess, that caused a lot of doubt on this. There were a lot of other pieces of information that just didn't make sense to Chuck. And then that caused him to doubt Al's report. Um, like, for example, he said that there was this large wooden table that was, like, torn out from the wall in the kitchen and dragged over to block the chimney from the inside, which is strange in itself. Yeah, and that wouldn't have... But then you consider the fact that a body was found in the chimney. How, how would that have happened? And that couldn't have been accidental because you can't pull a table while you're in a chimney. Right. Like, that's so weird. Yeah. And also, just in, like, when you're thinking about the body... His body was found in the fetal position, but his legs were above his head and, like, disjointed from his torso. So in order to get into that position, he would have had to enter the chimney head first. Like, that. I don't know about you, but if I was going to go down a chimney, I would not go down a chimney head first. Wait, you'd have to go... Like he was like he was like facing down. Oh, like his okay. head, his legs were above his head. Sorry, I'm still thinking that he got he went in from the bottom. So you're saying, so if to get into that position, he'd have to go in the top head first. Yeah, okay. exactly. Or the bottom legs first, which would also not make sense. What? <laughs> That's. <laughs> I don't know about you, man, but if I was gonna try to climb up a chimney. I would not be doing it <laughs> legs first. Yeah, but I wouldn't go head first down a chimney either. So. Yeah, exactly. None of it makes, None sense. Of it makes yeah. sense. The position that he's in doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So they said that in order to get into this position, he would have had to enter the chimney head first, and this was like super unusual. So Al even commented that he thought that it would have taken two people to position him in this like way. Mm-hmm. Like what? Also, when Josh's body was found, it was found with no clothes. Like he yeah. was only wearing a thin thermal shirt. Which, first of all, would have already been unusual if he was just found, like, in a shirt. But what was weirder was that his clothes were found inside the cabin, folded next to the fireplace. So, Al noticed this, I guess, and stated on the report, quote, This one really taxed our brains. We found his clothing just outside the firebox. He only had a thermal t-shirt. We don't know why he took his clothes off. He took it off his... He took his shoes and socks off, and while he went outside, climbed on the roof, and went down the chimney, it was not linear thinking, end quote. Um, so he concluded that given the options that the cause of death could either be accidental, murder, or undetermined, and he finally concluded, quote, we've come up with the most plausible explanation, and it will remain an accident. He did come down the chimney. That's our conclusion, end quote. But then Chuck was like, guys, 
there is no way that guy crawled inside the chimney with that steel webbing. He did not come down the chimney. Like, that he, he didn't. So Chuck, so is, Chuck is saying that he got in from the bottom and someone, like, pushed him up there? Well, Chuck is... I don't know what his his thinking is like how josh got in there okay but, but chuck is basically saying that it's not an accident like okay. he couldn't have done it himself um also al Bourne had mentioned that several calls had been made to the police in the coroner's office suggesting leads and naming subjects and like one of them even bragged about killing josh like anonymously so that's sus yeah <laughs> i don't know that it's us um there was one main subject but he remained unnamed in the reports and whatever. Apparently, he is now spending time in a Texas jail and had also spent time in Seattle and Portland with, like, a long list of violent criminal behavior. And they just got, like, a lot of tips that said that basically he was the last man to be seen with Josh, but they couldn't, like, place him at the crime scene. Um, and the report says, quote, they can't give me times and specifics, but we and we can't generate stuff that goes back seven years, end quote. So, like, it's... It is uncertain, but he is a suspect, I guess. Okay. I don't know. And also, like, Alborn doubted that this guy would have been able to position Josh in the chimney, like, alone. Mm -hmm. Like, they said, it was like, if you want to get down there, it has to be two people to position the body. So, as far as Alborn was concerned, that was, like, the end of the, like, his suspect line of thinking. He was like, it can't have been that. Okay. But I find this really confusing, though, because he literally stated... That to get Josh into this position, it would have taken two people, and then he still ruled it an accident. Yeah. So, like, I don't know about you, but that that's, like, a little bit creepy to me. Yeah. Like, why did he do that? Um, okay, so, this is fun. I was on Reddit, and um, there's this post that I found on Reddit from 2015, and it appears to be from one of the people who called into the coroner, like, who said that they suspected this man. Okay. And um, one of the sources that I used had an abbreviated version of this post. I'm going to read it for you. It's kind of long, but it's weird. So um, it says, I went to high school with this skinny, dorky hippie named Andy who played guitar in a band. I was never good friends with him or anything, but a year or so after I graduated, one of my good friends, Josh, started hanging out with him, and then he went missing. Turns out that in addition to becoming a lot scarier looking, Andy had indeed headed down to New Mexico where he found himself shooting the shit with a caretaker of a disabled guy and got invited over to their apartment. The caretaker gets into the shower and when he comes back out, the disabled guy is stabbed to death and Andy's gone. When Andy got arrested, he also claimed to have killed a woman in Taos and stuffed her body in a barrel. The cops had indeed found a woman stuffed in the barrel in house but had already had somebody in custody for it and decided to stick with that guy instead years later i found out that the caretaker died in a bar fight and without him the cops didn't have much in the way of evidence somehow so that case against andy was dropped too several of us went to the cops saying yo josh who went missing was seen was last seen with andy who's a murderer so maybe you should check that out and despite a fair amount of pestering nothing really ever came of it and by nothing, I mean that the police mostly didn't even return our calls. And once accidentally canceled the bulletin on Josh because, because people were saying, quote, he's alive and well and living next, the next town over, end quote. He wasn't. 
He was actually in the chimney of an abandoned cabin like two blocks from his parents' house. The coroner had said the body had been there for about seven years and ruled the death accidental, concluding that Josh had probably climbed down the chimney in an attempt to break into the house and gotten stuck, which, given the age of the corpse, doesn't seem overtly ridiculous. Except for the fact that in addition to Josh having been last seen with Andy immediately before his pre-stabbing spree, people called in to report having heard rumors that Andy was bragging about, quote, putting Josh in a hole, end quote. Somebody had ripped a heavy bar off the wall in the kitchen and propped it against the fireplace. Or the fact that Josh's stuff was already inside the cabin, meaning A, he'd already broken in and wouldn't have, wouldn't have had to lock himself out to go in for the chimney. And B, he might have noticed that either the flu or the big bar would have prevented him from getting through the fireplace. Or the fact that when he was found, Josh's knees were above his head, which sounds to me like he would have had to go in head first. Or maybe the fact that Josh was barefoot and naked from the waist down. This is just my opinion, but I don't care who you are. You don't try to climb headfirst into a chimney via a hole through a rusted metal grate with your dick hanging out. As far as I can tell, nobody even bothered to call Andy to ask if he knew anything. By the way, from what I hear, Andy's still out and about doing his thing when he's not in the mental hospital. All I'm saying is I wish they had done some police shit, open an investigation, try to track down some leads, interview some of the folks who've been calling in tips for the last seven years. Maybe just check for some semen or something. I don't know. Don't just say accidental. Dust your hands off and call it a day. Yeah, I mean, he makes some good points. Mm -hmm. I do agree. Yeah. It does seem very suspicious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, The source I used for this story also fact-checked this, and it does appear as though Andy does in fact exist. He was a music lover, played in a band, and apparently lived a quite quite a free lifestyle himself, I guess. So it's not unthinkable that Andy and Josh might have known each other. Um, Andy's full name was Andrew Richard Newman, and he was arrested on suspicion of a fatal stabbing in New Mexico. That literally went exactly the way the Reddit post described, so that also makes me think that, you know, like, he's got some credit here. Yeah. Um, during high school, he played guitar in a band called The Bomers, and was also well-known and seemingly well-liked, but on an article about, like, his arrest for the New Mexico stabbing, there are several replies from users who had like, gone to the school with him, and they describe him as intelligent, like a smart guy, but he left the state and traveled nomadically around the country after graduating high school. And even though he did that, he also kept in contact with a lot of his old friends. Um, so like I said, it wouldn't be much of a stretch to place them together if they shared similar interests, interests and like outlooks on life. Like They were both very... like. I don't want to say outgoing, but, like, in touch with nature kind of thing. Like, Andy just wanted, like, he was, like, he left to live, like, a more nomadic lifestyle. And Josh loved the nature and stuff like that. He liked hiking. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So, like, the Reddit article stated, a lot of Joshua's friends tried to get the the police to investigate Andrew because they were, like, maybe... Like, it definitely seems like he's done something. But a lot of their concerns were dismissed because the authorities were like, according to the family, Joshua lives a very nomadic lifestyle anyway. He's probably just, like, a couple towns over. He's doing fine. He's okay. Even though Andrew literally reportedly bragged about having put Josh in a hole. And right now, it is believed that Andrew is in a mental institution. Yeah. So the case of Joshua Maddox is what I would describe as perplexing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems safe to assume that Chuck 
is telling the truth about the rebar and stuff like that in the chimney like yeah whilst, why like he lie? wouldn't he wouldn't lie about that yeah. right like who wants to start a murder investigation yeah especially in your own house like that just exactly yeah. like that's that i if you if you if you did something you wouldn't you would just be like yes accident like got it like that is an accidental death yeah no and then the other factors that are weird like the clothes by the fireplace the kitchen table being dragged over to the fireplace a bunch of tip-offs concerning andy you know i think i feel like the biggest mystery here is like why was andy not at least questioned by the police like why was he just completely dismissed yeah um in a follow-up on the same reddit thread the user who posted the original post stated that he believed andy was now housed in a mental hospital but you know whether the case will ever be reopened with this information or not is probably unlikely it does appear that the official conclusion that the death of joshua maddox was an accident is gonna it still stands now and will probably be the official cause of death which is yeah. I feel like that I feel like it can't be yeah it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make any sense to me I, I don't think that this is an accident in any way it reminds me of um, I think it was a case on Unsolved Mysteries on Netflix where the there was this kid who it was in middle school I'm pretty sure and he was like found in a roll of gym mats like yes yeah. yeah i've heard about and that it case it caused me so much anger yeah and it just didn't because make sense. it's not yeah it's it's not an accident like there was a thing with i i feel like i remember something about his shoes being gone or something like that too, yeah or they're like, still on or something the thing it was like the thinking was he was reaching for his shoes and got stuck but like yeah the shoes weren't there or something there was something weird with the shoes yeah very interesting. like it, it's just it's just that case got on my nerves maybe we'll talk about it sometime soon yeah because it it made me angry yeah (laughs) um but yeah that's all i have for you for this week well it's very interesting hopefully it'll it was yeah i'm glad you found it interesting yeah i feel like i'm gonna be thinking about this for a while yeah definitely it's just the like mysterious unsolved cases like yeah, they really like they said, him. it would take two people to get him in. They have one suspect. Yeah. Why? What's the motive, though? Like, I don't know. That's true. Yeah. Just really gets me. Yeah. Why do I feel like I should like the um, coroner had something to do with it? Like, you know. You feel like the coroner had something logical? to do with it? Well, I mean, he seems like he's trying to cover it up. Yeah. Like, why else would you rule it an accident? Why else would you not even bring the guy in? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, um, do you have any life updates for us that are maybe a little bit lighter than than this? Um, well, I'm sad Halloween's over. Mm. Um, I have been... Well, this is not lighter than this, but I have been watching When They See Us um, on Netflix... <laughs> Which is very frustrating. Um, mm. we, I'm watching it for actually two classes, technically. I'm doing a project on it for English, and it is like our homework for criminology to watch it and like look for the theories that we're studying right now in it. And it's very frustrating, but I am learning a lot about the case that 
sadly I didn't really know about before like a year ago or so so mm-hmm. maybe I could maybe I'll do some more research and make a um, episode about that or something yeah that'd be but fun it is quite upsetting so I don't know <laughs> sometimes they really hit you hard you know yeah it yeah but it is a it is a very good little mini series if anyone feels like getting frustrated about you know you're really selling it here yeah, aren't you I really am like it's <laughs> really great if you just want to feel frustrated and like not like it like the case itself is just so frustrating the way it was handled but like this the way it's presented in the series is really great so you know I feel like I think that about a lot of things like a lot of the cases that we talk about I'm like the way they handled this yeah. is wrong and that's what makes me angry not like the show itself like the show mm-hmm. is good but it still makes me angry <laughs> it's just a, a cycle <laughs> just it's literally just a cycle of being like if you did stuff a little bit better yeah maybe people would still be here yeah <sighs> quite sad but that is it for me do you have anything um so we technically don't have like midterms but we have this period of time in the middle of the semester when everything is due and we have like tests and stuff so I think that I feel like that's right now like it's not technically midterms but it feels like midterms that's crazy that you're halfway through now and I'm almost done (laughs) you're basically done yeah wow which is it is wild um so that's been fun my chemistry class, they were like, you know what we're going to do to these kids? We're going to have just the regular work, you know, like lectures and tutorials and stuff like that for the first five weeks. And then after that, we're just going to make them do 7,000 things at once. Oh, that's good. Them. So it's really, really <laughs> fun. I'm having a great time. Like I said, I was panicking over my stupid reaction mechanism. <laughs> yeah. Love it here. It's all good. And on top of that, they won't tell us exactly what's happening with this lockdown situation. Yeah, I was going to say, I heard there's another lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I could tell you if it's actually happening here. (laughs) I could not. Because Boris was like, we're going to put a lockdown in place. And then Nicola was like, we don't really need one in Scotland. Well, we can make restrictions heavier if need be. But it's better than the rest of it. Interesting. I don't know, man. The R number is still over one, like, everywhere. Which means that it's getting worse. Yeah. Like, so a lockdown would be helpful. Obviously, I don't want one. Yeah. But I just wish they would tell us, you know? Like, they haven't told us anything concrete. Yeah, that is... Every single thing I've read has been like, maybe. Maybe not. But maybe. Maybe. But maybe not. <laughs> Keep you on like, your thank toes. Thank you, that's so helpful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's it for me, though. All right. Well, I guess I'll do my little spiel. Yay. My favorite part of the day. (laughs) (laughs) So you can find us on Instagram at Grim Podcast. Um, From there, you can like our photos, follow us, um, DM us. Um, And there's a little button on our profile to email us. You can email us at thegrimpodcast at gmail.com. And it would be good to hear from a human. It's always fun. Um, so email us whatever, like little life updates, um, something that's happened, like a true crime story that's happened to you, um, or hopefully it's paranormal. I don't know what I'm saying anymore. <laughs> hopefully paranormal, probably not, hopefully not true crime, but you know, um, hopefully not mm-hmm, either, mm-hmm. but you know, if you have one, we'd love to yeah. hear it. 
Um, uh, what we have a Facebook. That's what it's called, Grim Podcast, and a, we do have a Facebook, yeah, <laughs> and a Twitter, uh, Podcast Grim. Um, and just give us a good review and tell your friends and family about us. Yeah, and we'll we'll see you guys next week. Yeah. Um, I think I actually have to do research this week, so that's oh. kind of fun. <laughs> we'll see if I still have it in me, you know? Yeah, it's it's a lot. It is a lot. <laughs> but it's okay, it's paranormal. I think that'll go quick. Yeah, that's true. Alrighty. Well, thank well, you for we'll listening. See you guys next week. Yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Stay safe, stay healthy.